You know, the crazy thing is that track chair, one of the, uh, on the track chair, that one of the little accessories you can get, that black plate on the back. Yeah. It's a cooler rack. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you can put like that Yeti, you know, on the back and strap it down. But I always thought, <clears throat> man, that's pretty fouled up. You know, you load it up with, you know, cold beers and. I mean, you're a quad, and first of all, you can't open that Yeti, and then next thing, you're just toting that, you're toting that cooler around for all your buddies and just go back there and knock them out. Could you get a DUI on that, that track chair? It'd be tough to load me in the back of a cop car. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, well, we are back with another Seek One podcast. Uh, today is uh, a very, very special one. Um we have our buddy Clark Mason with us and his best friend Brandon. They've traveled from Birmingham, right? Birmingham, Alabama. Okay. And uh, right. I, I guess to start this off, I, I think the best way and, – and Cheeto's here too. Sorry. Cheeto Marlowe. <laughs> Y'all probably seen him in some of our videos and Drew as well. Um, so I, I think the best way to start off is sort of give a background of kind of like how – all of this came to be. Um, we just, Clark, we just hunted together. And for those people that weren't listening, killed a really nice deer. Yes, we did. First first Georgia deer of the season for, for Yeah, for our crew. Our group. So you broke the ice for us. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was able to help you all out. <laughs> <laughs> um, so sort of giving a background, I'm sure a lot of you um, – Maybe the episode's out or maybe it's not. I don't know. But uh, giving a quick background and then we'll kind of jump into things. Uh, Clark, you had a hunting accident almost two years ago, right? October the 16th will be two years. Okay. And so what What? Ha- so what would, what were your injuries from that, from that fall before we kind of dive into your story too deep? Um, I have seven fused vertebrae in my neck and four in my back lower back and uh i broke five ribs my sternum a few teeth and bit my tongue in half so that's the injuries i sustained when you say fused vertebrae you mean like like you broke that part of your spine Right. So you broke your neck and your back. Broke my neck and my back. Um, and so, base that was. I mean, it, it's crazy. It not even two years ago. That that feels like. I mean, two years in the grand scheme of things is is almost <clears throat> nothing. Uh, it just seems so recent. It does. Uh, but it also has its times where it feels like uh, I, I'm in a mobile chair and it feels like it's been forever also you know but then when you look back on things like you said it hadn't been long at all but uh yeah uh it's just uh it's kind of a hard pill pill to swallow sometimes but then the way i look at it is hey I'm, i'm still here you know yeah and so I'm so thankful for that, and so it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, no doubt. Well, we 
kind of backtracking here to the background, I mean, we just caught basically wind of your story. We still haven't heard it. Cheeto, you heard it on the on the <clears throat> way here, right? Yeah, I heard it on the way here. And basically how it kind of all started was, um, you know, Clark went into stretch zone where my wife works and he was uh, telling her uh, his story. And when she told me, I was like, this is just crazy. Like, I mean, it just, I mean, cause all the thoughts came in my head when I heard his just brief of his story, like just, she just told me he fell and it just was like, I thought about all the times I've been in a lock on and just like times that I could have fallen. And I was like, that's when I told y'all about it and said, I think we should do something fun with this guy. Yeah. That whole, that whole situation is just still like mind blowing to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just for the fact that I met this lady and we got to talking about, you know, my accident and for her saying, Hey, my husband and me loved to bow hunt and everything. And then, I mean, the, the, I just still can't wrap my head around it, you know. And then when we got to talking about Lee, and then just, I don't know, a month later or whatever, I get a call. I still just can't wrap my head around all that. <laughs> That's just wild. Yeah. I, it's an honor for Lee and I to be able to have you share your story really for the first time to the public with us. Like, it, it's just, it's such a crazy, wild, horrific story but such an impactful one that, it is. that we're, we're able to like just able to kind of be a part of, you know, getting it out there with you. It's going to change a lot of people's lives. I know that it's changed ours in the last 12 hours. Yeah. I mean, I, I think our hope is that this is like going to be very impactful to the people that hear it and the people that see it. And I mean, kind of to what you were saying, just like you meeting Cheeto's wife, Beth at stretch zone, just like to me, the only thing that can phrase this whole experience that we've had the last 24 hours is just meant to be. Yeah. I mean, really and truly, uh, just the the odds of all of this kind of happening and coming together, us even meeting. And then, I mean, you know how hunting is and deer are deer and you can't do anything with wild animals and just how everything just unfolded recently. Like it was nothing except meant to be. Yeah. There's no other way to say it. Clark, not to mention, I told you, I called you on what Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, and and we left me. Wednesday morning. Today's Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it happened fast. <laughs> you had to tell me we're going to do a podcast, not to go hunting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clark had no clue that he was going to go hunting until he got down here. Yeah. <laughs> so. And I sit back a lot, and and I really now that I, I think about it, it has. I'm so fa- thankful that I I came because I was yeah. so close and just. Cause this is big for me, you know, like, yeah, like to, st- you know, get out and get back into doing what I, I, I love to do, you know, and, and the situation I'm in now, you know, it just, it was really, it, it was hard for me to really like take you up on coming to do this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now I'm so thankful I, I did. Well, it's kind of funny. Cause like we were plotting behind the scenes with your wife Erica and Cheeto and I were having well that was on Tuesday right yeah and I was like I remember I remember we were sitting there talking and we were sitting there and we're like he's gonna sniff this out like yeah just you know I don't know just come to Atlanta for just you know 
just want to hang out. Like, yeah, we just want to hang out. Bring your track chair. Yeah, the track, <laughs> the track chair thing. I was like, I was asking Sheeta, I was like, what What are we going to do? Like, ride around some property or, what, you know. So we were kind of plotting this, and I'm like, guys, he's going to sniff something out. Like, we, we've got to throw a bone out here, you know, some sort of reason that he's going to buy into of Like, that's why we wanted to meet him in Atlanta. So we threw out the podcast thing as like a, oh, okay, that, that might make sense of why these guys like want to hang yeah. out with you kind of thing is just do a podcast, hear your story or whatever. And that's how I threw the track chair in. Cause I was just like, well, yeah, they, I mean, sometimes they have like bonfire, like, you know, like, they get aggressive they get in their podcasting. <laughs> sometimes they're outdoors. <laughs> uh, so it was, there was a lot kind of behind the scenes and, and just how everything sort of, uh, unfolded was just really cool to to be a small part of and just kind of like witness. Um, so it, I mean, it, it just how everything happened. Like there's there's a bigger story here. It's not just coincidence and happenstance that kind of all this happened. Is, is how I feel about it. Um, one thing that I didn't. And like you just said, this was so kind of just like thrown together last minute. Like we didn't know what to expect. We didn't know really any of your story besides the fact that you fell out of a tree and were, um, you broke your back and your neck. Like I, we didn't know any of the details of it. And I personally didn't really consider like how much of an internal battle you have with getting back into the woods and hunting because that's, it's something that you love so much before. And then it's like, it probably triggers just like these memories that you don't really want to relive. Um, and I could, I could see that like battle going on in your head yesterday. And it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a scary thing because it could go one way or the other. Like it could bring you to a place that you don't want to be, or, you know, you could, you could win that battle and make it a positive thing and figure out like how to enjoy that again. And I hope, I hope that's the latter is kind of what has happened here. Um, but I do think like it's going to be a, a daily battle. I mean, you know, that way more than, you know, than we do. Um, and that's something that we were talking about here outside before the rest of the guys got here, but right. just, uh, yeah. Like, every day you fight a different battle with yeah. this, you know, type of injury and whatnot, but like that battle, in itself of going back and being out in the woods was like the toughest one I could say that in all honesty, like getting back to doing something that love that I love and it meant so much to me Yeah, was like the hardest thing. You know, I was so nervous about overcoming that, you know, and being yeah. able to overcome that battle. And as of yesterday, like going out there and, like I told Lee when we were sitting in the blind, you know, it ain't about killing, you know. It's about, like, just being out there in the woods. There's so much more to hunting to me than just killing a deer. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just that's just an extra bonus, you know, is getting to take a deer. But being out in the woods, I mean, it's just it's therapy, you know. Yeah. It's therapy in itself, you know. And I can <laughs> – about an hour in our sit, it was just like, I felt so relaxed, you know? And I told Lee, I was like, man, this is just, this is what I needed, you know? Mm-hmm. And I mean, y'all don't, y'all, y'all, y'all really don't know like what that meant to me. And 
what kind of weight it took off of me, you know? That's awesome. I mean, I felt, you know, like my old self was coming back, you know? Yeah. And I just really appreciate that. One thing I know, like being around him, and I'd never been around anybody in a wheelchair, but, you know, things that other people don't think about that he is stressed about is like, okay, when, where we're going to go hunt, can we can we get my wheelchair in there? Are we going to be able to get, is something going to go wrong? You know, can I shoot the crossbow? Can I, all those things are just rolling in his mind, and that's where he decides like, well, no, I'm just not even going to try. You know, like I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to put myself out there and like, what if it goes wrong? And I hate people doing things for me. Yeah. I, I mean, even to this day, I still like, I can't stand it, you know? And I mean, that, and everybody's like, oh, you just got to get over it. But that's not my mentality, you know? Yeah. I mean, like when Lee's in the blind, like, hey, can you see this moving around? You know, I felt like in my mind, like that's what I do for my little, my kids when I take them on, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, you know, like somebody's. I got this other man next to me that's trying to, you know, help me out and, you know, like, make sure I'm situated, you know, and I just, and I felt, I always feel, I don't always now, but like, when I first, when I was fresh off, my my injury was fresh and everything, I was always, like, I got down and, you know, I had a lot of, I guess, like, depressed moments, you know, because having everybody having to wait on me hand and foot and i just i've learned to like overcome that because i'm that type of person like where i'm gonna sit there and i'll focus on like how to do something you know like in my head like even if it's opening a door you know like i'm I'm gonna sit there i'm gonna work at it. it might take me 30 minutes or more more you know but I'm going to get that door knob, you know, like I'm going to open that door myself because I don't want to have to sit there and wait on somebody to, Hey, mm-hmm. will you open this door for me? You know, but that's why I've, that's been my hardest thing about like getting back in the woods. Cause there's so much you got to do to like, in order to do this sport, you know, I mean, it takes a lot, you know? Yeah. And I just, I never have a warning pe- and and I got to carry different equipment with me now. I mean, y'all guys saw yesterday, like, you know, I had a deck of entourage, you know, <laughs> people, you know, bringing my track chair and then I'm having to drive the wheelchair van and all that. And I just, that's why I've always just said the heck with it, you know, like my hunt days are over, you know, but I could tell like you're those, the entourage, your, your parents and Brandon, like, and 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 us too like we wanted to be there you know i i think that like i don't care who you are in life like we all need help sometimes and you know you need help in certain situations but what you just did you're going to help a lot of people so you're dishing it back out hopefully with this platform to you know tenfold to all these people out here who are going through whatever they're going through they're facing fears they're facing battles like they just saw you overcome a huge thing and like you're dishing to help back out exponentially to people that will be encouraged by what you did and facing your fear and kind of like having the courage to, to put yourself out there and with all these unknowns and, and these uncertainties and, and just kind of just tackle it. And you did. And like, I'll never forget that feeling afterwards. 
of of us just sitting there, just kind of in the amazement of of what had happened in the, in the blind. And so, like, I don't want you to think that in any way, shape, or form, you know, that. And I, I and actually, when I was talking to your wife, I was like, he may tell me no. Like, this guy sounds like he was hard in the paint on hunting. Like, you know, hanging all the, these his buddy stands was just like, you know, he may not, you know, want to, uh, you know, accept the invitation to go hunt. Uh, I, I really didn't know. I'm, I'm glad you did accept it because it turned into this amazing thing. But, um, you know, I, I think what I'm just trying to say is like, we all need help sometimes. And I don't want you to think that, uh, because things are different now that like people still don't want to do these things, want to be around you. I know, I know the struggle you have of that. Oh yeah. You're kind of, I can tell you're a man's man. You want to just, you know, do it yourself. And that's something I've had to overcome and realize, you know, like come to grips with things and say, Hey, I can't, I'm not able to do it, you know? And I'm so thankful that I have got good friends, you know, and, uh, a wonderful family and they were willing to help me. You know, I mean, I'm so thankful that a lot of people don't have it, you know, and, but it, there's always somebody, you know, it don't matter what situation you're in. There's always somebody that will be there to help you, you know, and they might not even be there in person, you know, mm-hmm. and people got to realize that, you know I mean? Like you just can't give up, you know, Yeah, you cannot give up and just keep on going, you know, and like this whole trip right here, I, I, I was really close. I, I told my wife after I talked to Cheeto, I was like, this guy wants me to go to Atlanta, meet Seek One, have a podcast. And I said, I just don't know about that. You know? <laughs> I, said, I said, that's not my cup of tea. And then like, he wants me to bring my track chair and all that. And like, she couldn't get off work. She's a school teacher. And, uh, I was like, I'm going to have to have my mom or my mom and dad pull that trailer and my buddy's going to drive me up there in the old handy van and we're going to meet these guys. And I said, I just, I don't know about this, you know, and my little boy, when he heard that we were doing the <laughs> podcast, I mean, he was like, man, seek one. You're going to go meet them. He's like, heck yeah, you gotta go, you know? <laughs> And like just for that moment, you know, like him just seeing the fire in him, because he watches y'all. You know, I mean, I don't know how many nine-year-olds watch deer hunting, but like he's like, you got to go, man. He said, Some "Dudes are cool," <laughs> and I was like, "He's like, they kill monster deer," and I was like, "Yeah, they do." You know, I said, "They just want to talk to me, though." He's like well, that's cool, you know? <laughs> so if it wasn't for him encouraging you, do you think you may, might not have come? There's a very good possibility because Brandon will tell you, like I've turned down a lot, a lot of people like wanting to have, like talk to me, you know? Yeah. And I'll tell my story. I don't have a problem telling my story. But like this right here, you know, this is the first time I've ever told my story. Like, uh you know, I guess on air or whatever, but like, mm-hmm. uh, 
I've had people like, hey, look, you need to come over here and speak at this and all, you know, at like church or whatnot. Yeah. I just hadn't had that. I just hadn't want to be around a big crowd and like speak about it. But I mean, yeah. I just, it don't matter. Like, I, it, it, it happened, you know, and it is. I mean, it's a good story, you know, and it's, it's the truth, you know. Yeah. And it's still very fresh, dude. To, to, like, you're, I'm sure you're, you're still kind of like grappling with what it means for you and kind of the impact it's had on you. So it's had a lot of different, be, a lot of different impacts yeah. on me all, you know, from faith to like physical, physical, mm-hmm. you know, just, uh, man, relationship with my family. Yeah. So, well, I, uh, I think we take that and, and if, if you want to, if you want to start off, I don't know where you want to start off in the story, uh, but if you want to kind of dive into it, I, we would love to hear uh, kind of how everything happened and what happened. And I mean, I'd, I'd probably just start wherever you want, but maybe kind of before, like who, you, like what kind of hunter you were, and yeah, I knew you were like you know pretty hardcore. Yeah, so uh, that was start off there, but then also tell that the the whole day leading up to it so as you tell us about you and then lead into that that's uh hunting was my passion you know i did it i hunted anything that was in season let's just say that you know i mean when uh deer season went out you know turkey season came in you know and then like after turkey season we started we coyote hunt or hunt hogs you know just i just loved it you know it didn't matter what it was and it wasn't just like about the kill you know it was just about you know the adventure you know mm-hmm. like it was just great but like i uh yeah i i was always at the hunt club or you know hunting around the house and i brought my family into it and like started taking my kids when they were three years old just dragging them down there letting them you know my little girl used to play school and you know play with her barbies in the trailer you know like we'd have school during the middle of you know like after the morning hunt and uh it was great man like she killed her first deer when she was six and so i brought my family into it and they they enjoyed it and loved it but man i was always in the woods and uh <laughs> it was just <sighs> it's still tough uh just like just then just thinking about like i don't know like i love going out and hanging sets you know and going and scouting and seeing you know like where these deer are moving that mm-hmm. and hanging trail cameras you know and like i said before you know them degum cell cameras they're, they're the devil man they are like they are they get you pumped up man like they make you block of, uh, they make you block everything else out at, oh, yeah. at the moment you're making me think of the water boy's mom rick or uh Bobby Boucher. <laughs> yeah girls are the devil yeah. <laughs> whatever I mean, she says 
Man, I'm just telling you, like, I love hanging, cam- you know, setting cameras and hanging lock-ons and tree stands from the kids and stuff. Like, we, I'd carry them and set them and put up a ladder stand for them. We'd get up there and, man, we'd just, dude, we'd have some fun, just memorable moments just sitting there, all three of us, in a double-man ladder stand just laughing, cutting up, you know, don't even care if we saw a deer, you know, but mm-hmm. just... Seeing a deer, like, it was just, it was just a bonus, you know. But, like, deer hunting, man, it played a major role in my life. And I put it for, I put it before a lot of things that, you know, I probably shouldn't have. But my wife knew how passionate I was about it. And so... I started like, you know, calming down on it a little bit once I had kids. And then once the kids got old enough, that was a better reason for me to be in the woods more because I was taking them, I was giving her a break and I was dragging them little ones through the woods and teaching them, you know, Mm -hmm. um, what it was about, you know. And I mean, deer hunt meant, meant a lot. It still means a lot. You know, my little boy, he's still just... He's still wanting to go, 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 you know, and that's what I'm trying to, I, I try to set him up with as many buddies and stuff like that to carry him and, you know, my uncle's got a nice place in you know, South Alabama and he goes with him a few times a year and it was just, I always try to think about him, you know, and so he don't lose, lose that passion, you know, because, hey man, Ain't nothing better than sitting in the woods. I mean, I guess you could say that, but like you could, that, that's the best therapy mm-hmm. that any any man could have, you know, like because you can, I think you can overcome a lot of, a lot of obstacles, I guess you could say, or whatever, like feelings. If you just go out there and just relax and just listen, like if it really, and just, there, and just, there's the feeling of being out in the woods is like none other, you know? Yeah. It's just, it's a time to be still. I mean, just. Which is so hard to do. To, you and I were talking earlier about just like how important hunting and fishing was to to both of us and, and Lee, especially like at an early age when there's so much, so many just like different things that you get into. And it almost, for us, it probably kept us out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it's like. I think young kids, especially like your boy, nine years old, it's becoming more and more rare that kids that age are interested in hunting. I'm so thankful he is one of those type of kids. Yeah. He's not. I mean, like, I'm not knocking any kids, but like, he's not on those video games, you know? Yeah, not on TikTok, twenty four seven. No TikToks or anything like that. I mean, we we have it's just woods behind our house, and I mean that little boy. He's a he's. It's a hill, ain't it, Brandon? Big hill. It's a big hill. <laughs> Huge hill. But we got like we got some deer down there. They're like digging mountain goats. But we also have hogs and turkeys. Mm-hmm. And that little boy, he'll tow. He'll drag a. Uh, he's got a little snow sled, one of those plastic snow sleds, and he'll put two fifty-pound bags of corn on there. <laughs> And he'll send it down that hill. <laughs> and that thing will fly down the hill, and he'll go down there, and he'll hang him a little camera up and put that, you know, put the corn out and all that. And, I mean, it's just, 
you know, shoot some hogs or something. We live in a pretty nice subdivision, and like once we showed up, here we are. You know, like got a little boy back there popping hogs. And, oh yeah, trapping <laughs> raccoons. Yeah, trapping and raccoons. Everything he can do. And like all the kids, you know, they're all wanting to play video games and TikToks and all that. And he, man, he don't want nothing about it. You know, he just he'd rather be out in the woods. And I'm I'm so thankful for that. But yeah, so the day that uh it happened was October sixteenth and um Friday. It was on Friday and Brandon uh he's down there close to where we were at, like his place is and his dad and him they have a their own piece of property and we have is it's a little club and I've been in it for 14, 13, 14 years and it's right about twenty five hundred acres and but they're not they're not close to one another our, our places we stay are but anyways me and Brandon have been talking we work together and everything and uh, we we've, we've been talking about like our opening day you know like we're going we're going to leave work early, you know, and we're going to head down there and he's going to hunt his property. I'm going to go over there and hunt mine. And, uh, we, uh, man, I've had so many, there were so many signs that day. Like I told y'all earlier, it was just like one thing after another, you know, like I should have just, just to tell people, you know, like, look, if you got a lot of signs that day, you know, like, best just, like, not do what you plan on doing, <laughs> yeah. you know? Don't fight it. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. but, yeah. Uh, I mean, like, from the time I left that morning, you know, I had a trailer load of wood and a four-wheeler that I was going to haul down there, you know, to the club, and, like, I, don't know, I think I had, like, what, trailer trouble or something on my truck, you know, when I was going to work that morning, and, uh, I was fighting that issue. I was like, man, you know, like, I need to get that stuff down there. But Brandon ended up hauling it because I had to stay at work later because who I was supposed to meet didn't show up at the correct time, you know. And I'm like, man, I got to get in the woods, you know. Like, hey, I'm I'm ready, you know. Like, I had to – back to those cell cams, I had a bachelor group of bucks, like one nice, nice ten-point – coming in like clockwork and i was fixing to go and you know close the deal and i was like that guy finally shows up and he's like an hour or so late and brandon's already left and as soon as he showed up you know i did what i had to do and man i hopped in that truck and i put in the wind oh oh but before that uh i i never had done that but like i've forgotten my hunting boots and I just walked out and left them, and I was like, man, you know, heck, I got to have some boots, you know. So I had to fly back home, which wasn't too terribly far, but it was out of the way. And there's just those little signs like that, you know, mm-hmm. like, all right, man, you know. And I put that truck in the wind, and I was gone, you know, on I-22, you know. like, And I got there, and I was just – I pulled up and branded them – I met him at the uh, at his house and it was down the road from my trailer and I 
I got, I hooked up that trailer, you know, my, that I was going to haul down there. And, uh, I said, um, I told him, I was like, man, I don't know. It was late. Like it, I wanted to already be in the woods because those deer been coming up, you know, been showing on camera, like super early, I think like three, three thirty. And I was like, man, I don't want to go in there and bump them. You know, I don't want to take that chance. So I told Brandon, I said, man, I think I'm going to, I said, I think I'm going to, like, I might hunt, but I'm not sure. I might ride over to another friend of mine's house down there and watch a football game that evening. And y'all still had a, a field to plant. So you said, you know, I, yeah. might, I might go hunting. I might plant that field. I might, you know, and and that was one Typical. thing of Clark's story is, you know, he was, he's scattered. You know, he'll he'll throw out 10 things he might do that day. You don't really know what's <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah. You yeah. just along for the ride. So, you know, like he threw all those things out and, you know, I didn't, didn't know. I told him I'm going hunting, you know, like you can do whatever you're going to do, but I'm, I'll see you later. You know, I'm going hunting. And I told him, I said, I'll, I'll come back. You know, I said, I might come over here and we'll eat, you know, cook out or something. I might stay with y'all tonight, you know, cause there wasn't nobody at my place, you know, like, like in our on our property that we don't have many bow hunters and uh that's a good thing you know <laughs> and uh but uh man i i had a reputation of like like brennan said you you never knew like where i what i was going to be doing or like i guess you could say where i'd be in a way but uh yeah so i took off out of there and I started heading over there, and I was like, man, it was this beautiful day, you know, and I was like, man, I'm going to ride over there, and let's see if, you know, I might I might just I might just go climb that tree real quick. So I pulled, I drove out there, and I, I parked, and I got out, and I took my boots off, and my work boots, and I started changing out, and spraying down and whatnot and i stepped and i stepped in like there's a little puddle of water and i stepped like just in there and got my sock soaked i was like dang you know like that so, was it that was the the sign right the there sign. i'm telling Nothing you worse than a wet and sign. i was i was sitting there and I, i'll never forget i sat there and i stood uh, i was standing outside my truck and i was looking like the direction where i was going to be walking to and i just sat there for a second like I, you know, I really want to go in there and take a chance. I mean, I can hunt in the morning, you know, but these deer have been coming in like, you know, 3.30, you know, around that time. And it right then is is pushing 3 o'clock. And I was like, man, you know, just, I said, screw it, we're going, you know. And, uh, man, I was I was hoofing it. I was, I was hustling to get back in and get in the woods. And me and my son had hung this lock on the set the week before, and uh, it's pretty wild. Uh, he had uh, it was raining, and I'd climb that tree. And I mean, like anybody that's bow hunting before, you know, or deer hunting, they don't have to be bow hunting, but uh, they've hung stands and not been hooked off or nothing like that. And it was raining. He's sitting in the buggy, and uh, he had taken pictures of me. It was wild. He had taken pictures of me and sent it to his mom and said, look, you know, 
what do I do if daddy falls, like just playing around, you know? Jeez. And, uh, I mean, that's it's wild. I mean, I got pictures, you know. That was like a week before? That week before, the Saturday, well, what, Saturday, the week before. So, and he asked me that day, he said, can I climb that? I said, no. I said, he said, when can I climb my first lock on? I said, well, I climbed my first one when I was like 14, 15. So I told him, I said, well, when you're 14 or 15, I'll let you climb it, you know. And he's like, okay. He said, why? I said, because they're dangerous, you know. And, uh, man, I went over there and I climbed up. And uh, I was in a little wide oak. And it was the only tree, you know, that in that area. And they were dropping hard, man. The makers, were, they were, man, it was a good spot. It was a great spot. And I was in a perfect tree, man, I thought. And I climbed up, and I got in that lock-on, and uh, I was standing up, and I was leaning towards my left, and I was throwing my, uh, you know, that hunter safety system harness. You know, I had that, I was throwing the strap around the uh, tree to tie off to it, and the stand pitched, like just kind of shifted to the, it shifted to the right, and my weight was all on my left. And uh, I'm a pretty big old boy. And when it did, I mean, it's happened to me countless times, you know. I mean, I mean anybody that's hunted out of a lock-on knows they'll, like, move just a little bit. But for mm. some reason, man, it just caught me off guard. And I, my weight being all on that left, I just stepped, you know, like, just kind of stepped out. And... I grabbed the tree. I grabbed the tree and uh, at the last minute, and it was too late. And I was thinking, oh, crap, I'm fixing to break my legs, you know? But I have my phone. I mean, I, was, I mean, that split second I thought that I was like, I'm fixing to break my legs, but I have my phone. And on the way down, you know, I hit a limb and it hit me in the lower back and it flipped me forward. And they said that the doctor said when I hit that first limb, because I had bruising and everything right there on my back. So, I mean, I hit it pretty hard, you know, and they said that's probably what broke my back. Like T6 through T10 was, I had, I had some breaks and, um, uh, it pitched me forward, and I landed at the base of the tree on the back of my head. And heard it, felt it, like it was just a snap, you know. But it was like a, it's weird. I mean, like, it's it was like a, a if, I didn't ha- if I hadn't bit my tongue right down the middle and broke my teeth and just broke my neck and knew what I just did, then it wouldn't, you know, it wouldn't have been that calming but like the feeling of breaking your neck it was like warm and just tingly like just all over your body you know there wasn't no pain other than what just happened in my mouth you know yeah and i and i knew like right then i was like oh man you know and but i was panicking because uh when you break your neck if 
you know, have a spinal cord injury, it affects your lungs and your breathing. And uh, my mouth automatically started filling up with blood. I landed, when I hit my, landed on the back of my neck, I don't know how I did it, but I was laying flat on my back, you know, by the grace of God. Thank God I wasn't laying on my face, you know, because that wouldn't have been a good outcome. Uh, but I was laying on my back, and my mouth automatically filled up with blood, and I started trying to spit, like trying to get it out, and I couldn't. I didn't have enough power to, like, blow that out. And uh, so I was just kind of, like, spraying it on my face. So I turned my head a little bit, like try to get the blood out of my mouth. And it felt like I had gravel in my neck because I could feel like just the bones, you know. Gosh. And so like, and then, I, you know, lots going through my head at that moment, you know, and I'm panicking, you know. I'm crying, you know, like screaming, you know, like, I don't know, like just. It was wild. It was, man, it was. The whole time was wild, but uh, did you hit your head pretty hard? Like, did, did yeah, you they thought like they thought from it. Yeah, they thought that at, when I was at the hospital later on, they're like, you know, when he check, I, you know, he might have a head injury. You know, my wife's like, no, that's just him. You know, like, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <clears throat> I don't know how I didn't get one though, but it was just, but like, I knew like when I turned my head. And I felt the, you know, just the grinding in my neck. I was like, you can't move your neck, you know, like you got to try to stay stable and all that, you know. So, you know, I went back and I finally, like, I don't know how the blood, like, quit or whatever, but I finally had enough where I could breathe, you know. But I had it, like, on my face and stuff. And uh, it was, was, the wild, uh, man, it was... couple you know i told myself i said we're gonna lay here you know and we're gonna just we'll lay here for a little bit clark you know and we're gonna in a minute we're gonna get up and we're gonna go straight to the hospital you know because something's wrong with you i thought it just like knocked the wind out of me in a way you know but my whole body's still just tingling you know it was just wild man and there's no other feeling like it you know when, when you said that when you fell you land on your back if and that that was almost a a small miracle in itself. If you had fallen face first, do you think that you would have su- like suffocated from just breathing in? I think dirt that and stuff, and or it'd been harder for me to breathe, like you know, like laying on my chest, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah. my lungs were so weak, and because so when I hit the ground. Like come to find out from the doctor, I had broke. I had my binoculars, you know, on the chest, with all the chest straps, and uh, I like clenched up. Like when I hit, I like the, my binoculars were under my chin, and they broke my sternum, and then they split my chin wide open, and that's what jammed my jaw together, made me break my teeth and bite my tongue broke my binoculars you know broke the eyepieces off of them that's pretty hard hit you know and uh but i broke five ribs and 
the thing that everybody says should kill me, I had a double saddle embolism blood clot in both lungs. And they said it should have killed me like, there's no way that I should have been. I should have lived, not just from breaking my neck, but that blood clot alone is like what should have took me out, and that's what was affecting my breathing, you know. But jumping back, like to where after that, like I laid there for a little bit, and I was just. It took me for man. I was just tripping out, you know, crying and everything. I kept telling myself out loud, I was like, "You really did it this time, Clark," you know. You really did it because nobody, you know, I knew the situation because of what I told Brandon when I left, you know. You you knew that nobody knew exactly where you were. Yeah, I knew, like, nobody knew where I was and nobody was, like, uh, I wasn't depend like Nobody was expecting you. Right. Yeah, and a lot of clubs, you know, the, the way the clubs we've been in, you know, you have a sign out board or a pin out board or, you know, like you, you put something up and that tells everybody else in the club, you know, where you're going to be mm-hmm. and they have one, but nobody else bow hunts in his club. So like, it's not like, Hey, I signed out for this spot and that's where he's going to, you know, yeah. he, he was just going hunting and you know, our land's separate. So, and like I said, when he didn't come back that night, it was kind of like, well, he just, he found something out else of the to normal. do. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nothing out of the, you know, ordinary. Yeah. So, well, I mean, we have a few bow hunters, but we're all so, like, close that, like, I knew, like, all right, well, he's not going to be down there. You know, like, he's at the house and all that stuff. And so I know, like, who's going to be there. There's, like, just, like, three of us, you know. And uh, that's why I was like, huh? you know, and I was pushed for time. I knew who what. Nobody was down there, you know, on and on my property. So I just went out there. No need sign in. I mean, it wouldn't have done no good. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I advise people to do it, you know what I mean? Like just for safekeeping. Yeah. And, uh, just letting somebody know where you are, you know, like even said that it's all part of the story now, you know, but, but him, him not telling me, Hey, I'm going hunting over here. I'll be at this spot, you mm-hmm. know. And then I would have known, like, okay, man, something's something's up, you know. Well, I, I'm guilty of it all the time. That, that you know, unless I've got a camera guy with me, half the time if I'm hunting by myself, nobody knows where I'm sitting. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe I've texted Drew or somebody and been like, yeah, I might. I'd go. find you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know where I'm, you know, my spots. <laughs> but most of the time, especially like when I'm on a road trip or something, when yeah. we're in Ohio, like nobody knows where I'm at. Yeah. You know, I was just hunting Kansas, and I I stayed when my, uh, the camera guy left. I was there four days by myself. Nobody knew where I was. Yeah. Not a, not a person. Yeah, I was by myself. And I think that's a big takeaway. Is like, you know, m- most people don't want to do it. My parents are always like, you know, oh, well, let me know when you get there. You know, blah blah blah. Yeah. And I was always like, that's stupid. I'm never letting you know. You know, and they always get mad at me, or whatever. But uh, I always viewed it as just a a pain to you know let someone know where you're at or whatever but hearing that now that that's the first takeaway for me is like you, you know share your location on your phone like phones are yeah. pretty advanced these days share your location with somebody where someone can see where you're at even if at you're all not, times yeah too. actively like, saying i'm over here i'm over here yeah. like you know people need to know where you're at in case something happens so 
so I've, I was laying there and I told myself, you know, we're going to lay here for a minute and then we're going to uh, get up and go to the hospital. And so like I laid there and man, I was tripping out. And finally I told myself, you know, you got to calm down and start breathing, you know? So I calmed myself down. And then the next thing is I tried to get up and it felt like I had a, uh, I felt like I had a, a grown man like sitting on my chest mm-hmm. and on my limbs, you know, and I was I was just uh, that other yeah. All right, is that good? That's good. Cool. Yeah, I felt like I had uh, somebody just sitting on top of me, and like I couldn't do anything. I couldn't, I, I didn't want to move my my head and look and see like where my legs, my arms, because I couldn't feel nothing. And I laid there and man, I was just like, oh man, all right, well, this feeling's going to come back, you know, like we're just going to lay here for a little bit longer. And I started hollering out and not like hollering for help because where our land is, where I was at, man, if somebody did answer me, it'd have to be a poacher, you know? <laughs> and he probably wouldn't want to get caught being on the property, and he'd probably be like, all right, let's just get out of here if he heard somebody hollering for help. But uh, so I wasn't doing that. I was just I was hollering at Siri. And, I mean, I, I called that lady, you know, like, I'm telling you, if I had a gun, I'd probably kill her, you know, if I, if I was able to use my hand, you know. But, like, I called her name, you know, I said that so many times. Hey, Siri, call 911. For the love of God, Siri, call it, you know. And as uh, the day went on, you know, I fell, I think it was like 3.30, something like that, maybe a little after, but. Anyways, I was, when it started getting dark, man, that's when it started like saying, all right, this is getting real. Like, I'm fixing to, most likely I'm fixing to spend all night, you know, out here. And it started getting dark, dark. And then on our property, we have a uh, a lot of, coyotes we have a major problem with them and so everybody that's hunted long enough knows like when you're coming out of the woods and you start hearing them you know cutting up and stuff man it'll make the hair on the back of your neck stand up you know mm-hmm. i mean i don't care how big a person you are like it just the eerie sound and then so when it started getting dark i start hearing some they start chiming off you know i'm like damn Man, I've killed so many of their buddies, and I'm like sitting, I'm sitting here, you know, covered in blood, can't move. I'm a freaking buffet, you know, like they're fixing to come over here, but I'm going to bite some of them if they get close. <laughs> and I was sitting there, so like it started getting, you know, it's dark at that time, and man, they were cutting up, and I was just, so the only thing I could, and everybody knows, man, coyotes, like the they'll clean the deer out you know they'll just tear one up in a matter of minutes pretty much and i was just like man all right so i gotta do something and i was scared you know it's just not about the dogs or nothing but i was scared about 
the whole situation. Because, I mean, being out in the woods, man, like at night by yourself, like just, I mean, it's just got a different feeling, you know, like it takes a different take on, you know, in a way like it's pretty, I mean, you know, I'm not scared of the dark by no means, but like that time I was pretty scared of the dark, you know, that at that moment. But like I sat there and man, I just, I started crying out to God, you know. And asking him, like, I laid everything that I've ever done, like stuff I've never told people, you know, everything, like I, everything that I could think of and asked for forgiveness, you know, and I, man, I, I grew up in church, you know, and then as I got older, I just strayed away and it was it was wild man like because i felt this feeling like none other you know like like hey i got you you know and i just talked to god like literally like i mean i talked out loud like all night long you know and like telling i told him i said lord if there's any way all i want to do is see my wife and kids just one more time that's all I want, you know. I was fine if I died at the hospital or something or died in an ambulance or something. At that moment, like, I wanted to see my wife and kids, like, just one more time, you know, and tell them I love them and I'm gone. You know, that's fine. But, man, I just, I, I laid it out there. I mean, I just begged him cried and just asked him for forgiveness you know and i felt like this just comment like all right you'll be fine you know and like the night like moved fast you know what it, it was like just i stayed up all night long and it was just like it's wild like it seemed like it didn't last for, for you know it, it didn't last long and I mean that was God, you know, and you know, because like that's a terrifying moment, and I'm out there just pouring my heart out to Him, you know, and just like just I was asking Him, like everybody that knows me knows, like, like I wasn't there on Sunday mornings beating down the church, you know, the church door. Everybody knows that that I, I wasn't that type of person. I believed in God, you know. I knew there is a God, but I didn't live my life like I should, you know. I put other things first, and that's, I mean, I was just, it's hard to describe, like, but like at that moment, man, like I just felt like this, you know, like this comforting in a way, like just, hey, look, everything will work out, you know. And so the next morning when the sun started coming up, yeah, I can't, I couldn't feel like any temperature or anything. But when the sun came up, I'll never forget like that feeling of the, like the sun hitting my face. And I was like, oh, man, you know, like I made it, you know. So. 
now I can close my eyes, you know, and take a, we'll take a little break and we'll sleep, Clark. So when I close my eyes, man, I slept all day. I woke up and it was like probably, I don't know, man, it's about to start getting dark again. And I started panicking. I was like, man, this is terrible. Because I knew, I was like, at this moment, all right, that's Saturday. I was like, all right, I was supposed to be Saturday at lunch. I was told my wife, I said, I'm going to bow hunt. I mean, I'm going to hunt Sunday, uh, Friday uh, after work. I'm going to hunt Saturday morning. And then I'm going to turn around. I'm going to, my little girl plays travel ball. And they'll play like, you know, into the night. So I told her, I said, all right. I'll, I'll meet y'all at the park at, I think it was, I told her I'd be there sometime after lunch. Well, it's opening weekend, you know, and she knew like, all right, well, there's a good possibility he'll hunt, you know, Saturday evening and then just show up over here afterwards. Well, she had checked my phone on uh, my, uh, whatchamacallit, my. Uh, Find my location. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it showed that I was in the woods. And so later on, like when it started getting dark, she checked it again and realized that it hadn't moved. And she knew like, all right, something ain't right. You know? So kind of up to this point, no alarms had, had gone off to anybody as of yet? No. That was kind of the first like, hey, something's not right. Right. Saturday at five-ish, you know, probably. And so, like, they were like, you know, but there again, that's my reputation, you know, like, you never knew, you know, yeah. about me. And, and Brandon, for you, like, no alarm, no. Well, yeah, I'd, I'd had alarms because, like I said, we'd been pumped about, like, opening day. You know, we were pumped up. We'd been having all these pictures while I go, and Friday evening, I shot a doe on one of our fields, you know, and I texted him, you know, like, just shot one. Sure. Nothing. No response, you know, then we get it back and, you know, I sent him another text later with a picture, nothing, you know, and I was like, well, that's, you know, like he's ghosting you. Yeah. I was like, what's, what's the deal <laughs> with that? You know? Well, then the, like I said, he didn't, he didn't come to the house that night. Well, then Saturday morning, uh, my dad shot a doe with his bow, sending pictures again, you know, nothing. And, I, and, and it was, and y'all normally be chiming back. And oh forth, yeah. He'd at like, least oh. hit me a text back, you yeah. know? And I was just thinking like, well, it's kind of weird, you know, but it wasn't that unusual for him. So it's like, well, he just found something else to do, you know, like I'm not going to worry about it, mm-hmm. but it just, something just kept eating at me. Like, man, it's just, it's just strange. You know, it doesn't feel right. Something yeah. feels weird, you know? So then we, a lot of times we'll hunt Saturday morning and, uh, go home, you know, if we hunt Friday afternoon, cause it's not that far away. And so we hunted, you know, and left at lunch and me and my dad were, you know, headed back home and I called my wife on the way home and I told her, you know, like, man, I hadn't heard from Clark all weekend, you know, and she was like, well, something might be wrong. Cause that's a woman's instinct, you yeah. know, it's like something's wrong. And I was like, ah, oh, he's fine. You yeah. know? Well, then I get home and it's just still eating at me, you know? And, and my wife's like, why don't you just see if anybody else has talked to him? You know? So I texted his mom and I was like, Hey, you talked to Clark, you know, any this weekend? And she said, well, no, it's Erica just said that, you know, she hadn't been able to get a hold of him and his phone hadn't moved all day, you know, cause she, she was looking at it. You that's know? probably about the same time as it was wild. Like yeah. when I think my mother said like, 
it was just like a couple of minutes that she hung up with my wife that Brandon called. And But when they said that, you know, like his phone hadn't moved all day, like my heart sank because I was like, oh, something, you know, something's up yeah. that, that he hadn't answered and he hadn't moved, you know. So then, you know, we start kind of alerting everybody that's still up there at the hunting club, like, hey, have you seen him? Have you seen? Nobody's seen him. Nobody's heard from him. So then everybody realizes, like, all right, something's up. So we jump in the truck and we head back up there, you know, and, and that's, that kind of, like, started the search, you know, to figure out what was going on. And that was, like, record time. And, like, Brennan went, like, he, he oh, drove, yeah. like, 100 miles. He had to drive 100 miles and he was there, like, in no time. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it was pretty wild about that. I mean. And so that's Saturday at, like, what time? Uh Seven, yeah, seven, seven o'clock. In yeah. The so it's been twenty five, twenty six hours since you've been since, since the fall. Fell. Mm-hmm. Since I fell, and uh, are you are you like feeling thirsty at this point at all? Oh like, man, I was get, feeling all kinds of things. But I tell you one really crazy, like the the most crappiest feeling in the world is hearing that phone just sit there and vibrate and vibrate and vibrate and vibrate and it's right there in your pocket and you have no movement in your arms at all no movement so like when it got dark saturday jumping well we had a a drop in the temperature and it went to i think it was like 34 yeah upper 30s that that second night and so i went from that warm fuzzy feeling to you know to pure hell i mean absolute just my nerves my whole body it was like i was on fire and getting stabbed with needles like it was like the worst pain ever and i started just man like that was it you know I, i was screaming you know and i was screaming out to god to just go ahead and take me like i'm ready to go I I said I was like just watch over my wife and kids, but please God I'm ready to go. Like I wanted to die, like I was I was wanting to go because I was in so much pain. Like because that the coldness like just automatically just messes with your nerves, you know. Mm-hmm. And that man, that was just a thinking back on that that for what I went through on that that few moments i was just it was man it was just terrible like absolutely terrible so i yell like that for like just a couple hours on and off man and finally i said the heck with it you know i'm gonna roll over on you know now i'm just i don't know what i'm thinking at this point but i'm tired of laying there i'm like we're getting out of here clark you know and i had this mindset like if i roll over and get on my stomach, then I'll be able to crawl out of here. Don't know why I thought that, but I did. And so I started moving my head a little bit, and I moved my head, and my hand was like, my left hand was like the way it was laying, and it was right there by my cheek that I hadn't even seen it, you know, the whole time. And I reached down, and I, like I leaned over and I, I put my index finger in my mouth and I bit down on it. 
I, I mean, I bit the fire out of it. <laughs> and I, I couldn't feel nothing. And I was like, man. It was just like, you know, it was just like, just, just this feeling like, man, this is not good at all. So that's when, and then I'm just crying out, like just in pain. I just realized like, man, I can't feel, you know, like this, I'm sitting here, you know, like just my freaking fingers in my mouth and I can't even, can't feel it on my hand, you know, and so I said, screw it, you know, I'm going to like, I'm going to try to like, it's messed up, but like, I was going to just try to like end it for myself, you know, and the only way I could think about it is like move my head around a bunch, you know, I mean, that's the God's honest truth. There was some saw briars right there, like some big old, those big thick briars right there by my, where I was laying and I was biting them thinking I could like bite it and like pull myself over, you know, to get on my stomach. And there again, I don't know what I was thinking, but I was, I was trying my best to get out of there, you know? And then I realized my pull up rope with my bow was like right there on my chest. And I was just like, for some reason they said like I got my, I had worked my bow up close to me from biting that pull up rope pull it a little bit and i get another bite and pull it a little bit but there you know i was like just trying to do whatever i could to get some kind of like something come over there like get close to me i guess i don't know but in the back of my mind i was wanting like the lights to be turned off you know for me moving my head around so much and i cried out and man it was at this time it was I think I was found at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. Yeah. So, man, I cried out, like, and I just, it was wild, man. It was, like, freaking wild. I, I, I cried out to God. I said, if you want me to live, you better send me an angel. If you want me to live, you got to send me an angel. Because I knew, like, there was no way I was going to make it through that night. And the only reason I knew that was because what was going through my mind is, all right, nobody's going to realize now probably that my wife's probably going to be mad at me thinking I'm hunting or whatever. You know, she's just going to be like, all right, you know, <laughs> you know, this is. Typical Clark is, is what everybody, <laughs> that was the saying that, you know, that's just typical Clark, you know, you didn't hear from him. He didn't answer. And yeah. then like. Sun, I was thinking like Sunday's going to be the day when everybody's going to be like, all right, something ain't right. And I, I couldn't do another day, you know. But when I when I cried out to God not to ask him, I said, if you want me to live, you better send me an angel. And I promise you, it was within minutes. Like it was, I've, I've always told you that, you know, it's been within minutes. I hear another friend of mine say, here's his truck. And my truck was like 300 yards away. But, you know, everybody knows, been in the woods, you know, at night, sound travels, you know. And he was yelling at somebody else. And so I started yelling, which I thought I was yelling. But you don't yell the same like with 
spinal cord, it's weird, you know, but like, or not all spinal cord, but with the breathing problems that I had at the time, I couldn't yell, but like he was walking towards me anyways. And he said he kept hearing something that just sounded like off. So he's walking, you know, kept coming and kept coming. Then when he got closer, he could hear what I was saying. So he like took off running and there was like a blow down tree right there close by. And he come and when he got, uh, I had my head, I turned my head a little bit and I'll never forget like, man, he just like hit that tree and just collapsed on it. He was shining that light on me and he just like broke down, you know, didn't even come close, you know, get close to me. And, uh, I mean, he knew I was alive, you know, I told him, I said, man, I'm so thankful to see you. I said, but look, we can cry about this later. Get me the hell out of here. <laughs> you know, like just, we got to go. And, uh, man, finally he come over there to me and, and I was like, please don't leave me. You know, he's like, I got to go call like, you know, the fire department. And, uh, so I didn't want to be left, you know? And I told him, I said, my breathing was really bad, like really, really faint. And I, I thought it was my, the binocular strap i thought it was across my neck and then i had that my rangefinder has a little lanyard on it it goes around my neck i put in my harness and i thought like all right that's what's choking me i said man you have to cut this lanyard off of me it's like cutting across my neck and uh he's like man there's nothing touching your neck you know it's just the way i was breathing you know and but he still, like, he, he got that strap off of me, and I'll never forget, like, just, man, I was terrified at that moment. I was more scared once I had people around. I mean, that sounds weird, you know, because, like, all reality, I was just sitting there like, man, you know, this is seeing other people's emotions yeah. was just, man, it was just like. Almost made it worse. Oh, yeah, like. And then when more people started piling in, like he he's like, man, I got to go call because he didn't have service right there. And Because uh, my dad and your dad got there not long after Jared. Yeah, right after that. and uh, Before I got there. Right. And I remember his dad, man, he come running up. And, like, and I'm, Jared's gone, and he's calling the, the ambulance and everything. And by this time, and when, there was a pile of people, dude, like just – they were looking all over for me because they didn't know like is that where that stand location was and uh so when brandon's dad got there man i'll never forget he come in there and he like slid like like he was you know like he was dancing one across the stage you know he like slid in he's like right there he's like, man you're you know you're fine and all that and he's like uh I'll never forget his look on his face. And this man is one of the hardest men. Like I'm talking about like the most manliest man, like just no emotion, no emotion whatsoever. And just seeing his face, you know, scared the hell out of me, you know, like he was trying to like console me, you know, like, Hey man, you're fine. You know, but, 
I asked, I don't know if it was him or my dad. My dad finally shows up and my dad's more, oh man, you're fine. You're fine. You you know, we're going to get you out of here and you'll be fine. Everything. And I was like, man, no, I broke my neck. You know, I said, I'm paralyzed, you know? And he's like, no, no, you're fine. I was like, no, man, I'm being serious. And I mean, he, he was just trying to help me and then help himself probably like Mm. calm with emotion. But I had to take a, I had to pee and, uh, man, it was the wildest thing, dude. I mean, like this, I don't know if I should tell this part, but be as real as you want to be. I mean, this dude, is like, I had to pee like, all right. So the night, like it was getting cold or whatever, you know, that night. And I was thinking, I was like, man, like I got to pee and like, but if I pee, man, it's going to feel good, you know, mm-hmm. in two different ways. It's going to be warm, you know, and it's going to be, you know, relieving. And, uh, but I'm going to hold it. You know, I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, I'll hold it. Well, I had this, like, just finally, like, it was not long before I was found. I was like, man, I'm just pee. Screw it. You know, you know. So I thought, like, I was peeing, you know. And I'll never forget, like, man, my dad, like, he come when he got there, you know, like, Brandon's dad, like, he had to step off. He, like, because, man, I looked bad. Like, I was busted up, you know. My legs and everything like probably turned different directions, whatnot. I don't know, but I told my dad, I was like, "Man, hey, look, you know, there you go." I was thinking of appearances, you know. I was like, "Hey, look, man, I think I said check, man." Down, I said check, man. I just peed all in my pants, you know, like. And my dad like felt down there. He's like, "No, no, you're good, you're good." I was like, "No, man, I, I, I just peed, you know." So of all the stuff going on. You're worried about being your pants. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but the wild thing, what, well, I mean, like, I didn't want to let the ambulance people come up and be like, man, this boy just peed all in his pants. <laughs> and so, like, uh, the second time he checked, and he's like, no, man, you fine, you didn't pee. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like, this is, oh, this is terrible, you know, like, this is absolutely terrible. And so, then after that, like, man, they come in there and. It got hectic. It got. Because man. there was volunteer firemen, you know, from I mean, the area. shout out to those people. But yeah. I mean, let, look, let's all be serious. If you get hurt, brother, you know, you want to get hurt in a, like a major city. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> you I know, like, I mean. These guys hadn't dealt with a lot of like neck injuries. You know, they were doing their best, but they. They weren't sure what uh, to do. You know, we're in the middle of the woods. We got a backboard and a neck brace and a backboard from the fifties. Yeah. You know, this is like an oak, oak, just an oak <laughs> plank. Yeah. You know, you got a neck brace that was made like you know a long time ago and it was fit for a five year old. You know, and I was like, man, this is not good. You know, so nobody's moved you up to to that point uh, when they, the firefighters got no, there. No, no. And, and, I, and Clark said he was busted up, but he, he wasn't. That was the weirdest thing when I walked up is he's laying on his back right beside the tree. And I mean, he's laying there and looks totally normal. I mean, his legs are straight. His arm, one arm's beside him. That one arm was like on his chest. But you walk up and look, and he looked fine. And he mm-hmm. was talking fine, you know, joking, laughing. Like Yeah, the first thing I wanted to do, like my, when my uh, dad got there, I was like, before everybody comes, I said, get, I said, let me – talk to my wife 
and just hearing the sound of her voice, you know. And she said, I said, I, I said, I messed up, babe. You know, like, she's like, no, you're fine. You know, you're, you're fine. Which she knew that I was, somebody already told her, you know, but like, she said, I know you, you'll get through this. I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. Like, if I'm going to pull through this one. Uh, and, uh, it was wild, man. Like just hearing her voice, you know with all that other stuff going on, I was, man, I couldn't, I can't really explain it. It was just, it was so comforting, you know? But, uh, cause she had told, she had told her, whoever, uh, I think it was her dad or something. She told him, uh, cause he was down there and she said, look, when they find him, if he's dead, you know, don't beat around the bush. You just tell me, you know, like, cause I'm ready for it. You know, like just, like, I don't want everybody, like, just, just hit me straight with it, you know, because she knew, like, I was the type of guy, man, like, I was a man's man, like, I didn't let nothing hurt me, you know, like, I just, I, if I got hurt, I was going to deal with it and walk on out or handle it myself, you know, and so she knew, like, all right, there has to be something really wrong, you know, like, if I, if I ain't, if I haven't moved and I just, man, I, to this day, man, I hate it for like the, what the feeling that she had to go through at that time, you know, like, cause she left the park and she left my little girl and my little boy with my mother-in-law and just cause she had that eerie feeling, you know, she drove, I think they were like a hundred miles from home. She drove back to the house, you know, by herself, you know, just thinking like, like, Hey, look, I'm fixing to find out like my husband's dead, you know, because she knew like Brandon and all them were going to look, you know, so she's like, hey, she didn't want the kids around or anything like that, because when they got there to where I was, uh, they thought like I had a wreck, you know, because the way it wasn't like a the way that uh, it had pinged like on my little, you know, find me out. It was the, the big circle, you know, it wasn't like an exact tree or something yeah, like that. Just like a general area. A general area. And so she thought like, all right, you know, like they thought, people thought that I probably wrecked or something like that. And I was off the road. So people were looking all around this block, block of woods, you know, and it's a big block, you know. And so, which anyways, it was. How long did it take? people to find you once they kind of had that look at general location was it pretty quick not long less yeah. than an hour from like yeah because it, it took me about an hour to get back you know f- back up there from my house and from the time you know it started before i got to clark you know i got a call hey they found his truck they found it but but mm-hmm. when they said hey they found his truck then we knew he was hunting and honestly i thought well he's probably dead because if he fell why didn't he call you know, mm-hmm. like, I, I never would have thought, like, oh, he's alive, but he can't get his phone out of his pocket, you know? Yeah. Is so, that one limb, man. That one limb. Yeah. You all, I mean, like, I like I, I was telling uh, Lee yesterday, or and Cheeto, I was like, man, you know, like, it'll eat at you as long as you'll, it'll let, as long as you let it, like, 
what ifs, you know, mm-hmm. or like the only thing I had to do, you know, or I mean, because there's so many, like everybody's having them lock ons move, you know, like mm-hmm. if you've hunted long enough, you've had a stand like shift underneath you, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's going to happen, you know, and just the way I look at it was, man, it was my time, you know, you know, I don't know if it was the fact that, like, he wanted to get my attention. That's that's what I've been thinking about the last 24 hours is, like, this this question right here of was it God's plan? Like, most definitely. I mean, like, I mean, the long... The longer that I've, I sit back and I think about it, it that's that's all it was. Because mm-hmm. I'm telling you, anybody that knows me, like, I wasn't living for it. You know, I mean, you know, I like I said, I believed in him. You know, I grew up in church and everything, but I was not living that life. I was putting a lot of things before it, you know, mm-hmm. before him. And, man, it was just... One thing that that struck me about, you know, I felt guilty because, you know, not that I knew where he was at, but I felt guilty for a while. Like, oh, I should have looked earlier. You know, I should have gone with my gut and, like, you know, I felt terrible that he laid out there so long because, well, maybe I could have found him Friday night. You know, and, and me and Clark worked for his uncle and, you know, and he got hurt Saturday and then Sunday, you know, and then I had to go back to work Monday and I was like in shock, you know, still because all this had happened, you know, and I was talking to his uncle and, uh, you know, I was like, man, I just feel like, you know, I feel terrible that I left him out there. And, and he said, well, maybe he needed to lay there 30 hours to get that. Cause, cause like you said, he cried out, you know, give me, if, if I'm supposed to live, give me a sign. Yeah, and he said maybe that was the exact right amount of time that he was supposed to be out Hit there at that point. Yeah, maybe it took that long for him to break and say like, "I need you right now," you know. So maybe that's what was meant to happen. You know, that was the part of the plan that he was supposed to lay out there and and hit that breaking point where he turned from, you know, the first night I'll give anything to live, and then the second night he's ready to die. Like I'm done. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that was just. That's always stuck with me that, like, maybe that was supposed to happen, you know, because I did feel guilty for a while that I didn't help him sooner, you know, that ate at me for a while. And I, I, I like to kind of think that, you know, your story is still being told. All of ours are still being told, but your story in particular is still being told. And I, I kind of look at, like, what what just happened, you know, with how we all kind of came together, you coming to Atlanta, like, that I, I hope that, you know, us meeting has just helped some of your story come a little more full circle that, you know, Drew and, and Kendall and I, like, we have this platform. We always want to be the best stewards we can of that platform. And to broadcast your story and have people hear it, like, I know it's going to change people's lives. Yeah. Well, it don't have to be an accident, you know, that you have that – you. you it could be, you know, in my mind, like it could be alcohol, drugs, or anything, anything that's like really eating at you, you know. Like, man, trust me, man, it's coming from me. Like, you might just need to cry out, you know, yeah, and lay it all out on the table, yeah, and 
I mean, I'm not I'm not what I used to be by no means. But I'm so thankful that I'm here and able to see my wife and kids every day, you know, and be around them and see my friends. And I mean, like, look, look who I got to meet and come hang out with. I mean, this is incredible, you know. But like, yeah, like if you cry out to him, you know, he will answer in some form or way. You know, he will. But you really got to believe, you know, mm-hmm. and have that faith. And he's the only one that can. He's the only one that can make a difference in your life. Yeah, and and you you really you pushed on. Y'all both kind of talked a lot about, you know, God's timing, and I think that's a huge thing for people to kind of understand is. Sometimes we pray for things and and we feel like it's forever. So I'm sure laying there 30 hours felt like 30 days, you know, just laying there crying out to God like, like help me or send me like or take me home, you know. And I think it's important for people to know that our timing is not God's timing and we just have to be consistent in prayer and and know that God is faithful through every situation. Even though, you know, something bad happened out of it. But right now you're telling your story to a a big platform where people are going to hear this story. And not only is it going to change their perspective of hunting, it's going to change their perspective of their family. It's going to, you know, change their perspective of their priorities. And I mean, just it's so many different levels of you know, change that it, it, it could have an effect on somebody. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I <clears throat> Clark, to your point earlier, earlier, like life sucks sometimes. And that's, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And there's always going to be roadblocks, hiccups, speed bumps, whatever you want to call them. Yours was an accident, but you know, it could be alcohol. It could be relationship issues. It could be, you know, whatever that thing is that is, what people are are struggling with, you know, they can get through it. If you can be laying in the woods with a broken neck, broken back to the point where you're just saying the only thing you want left, the only thing you want before you're basically would be, be content to just, you know, essentially die is to just see your wife and kids one more time. Like you hit that point. And now you look at not even two years later, and I've witnessed you stand up twice today mm-hmm. or twice while, while you've been here. You've killed it. You killed a deer. Like you got back to doing what you love to do, something you never thought you'd be able to do again. And it's like if you can be in that rock bottom of just lowest of low, cannot possibly be any lower, and to see where you've come in two years and where you're going, this is still just the beginning for you, I believe. I believe that anybody who's going through whatever their personal thing is that they're struggling with, that they can absolutely get through it. If they've seen what you can do, 100%, there is a way for them to to bulldoze and keep going and and find a way to get through what whatever it is that they're struggling with. So that that to me is like such an encouragement just to hear your story and know kind of the place that you were at and what happened and see where you are now and where you're going is just like extremely encouraging. Yeah. I also think that 
outside of that that all of us, I think all of us as hunters are guilty of not being as safe as we possibly can be when we're hanging tree stands. <laughs> I know I've been guilty of it. I know, Drew, you've been guilty of it. I'm, mm-hmm. All of us have. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and so I don't, I don't think people need to take the mentality of, oh, well, it won't happen to me because it can very, very easily. I mean, it's, it's one moment. It's one quick instance that can change your life. And, you know, if it takes a little more time, if it's a little more tedious, if it's a little more, you know, pain in the butt, like do the right procedures that you need to go through to make sure that you're safe climbing a tree because it's, it's not only you that you're affecting. It's affecting everybody around. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was very, I mean, I worked with heights ever since I got out of school. I mean, I was in the. Sign sign business, and I mean, we work all different heights, you know, from hundreds of feet to 10 feet, you know, it, it didn't matter. So, like, I had that mentality of, and it's not going to happen to me, you know, I mean, because I've done it so many times, but man, it's, hey, it was meant to be, you know, and then one, one, positive or there's been some positive at, at, like outcomes of all this but one of the main ones i can think of and i think of every day is how much closer i am to my family mm-hmm. you know i mean like i'm i know that I, physically i have you know like i can't leave by myself or, you know or anything like that but just emotionally and like spiritually yeah like just it's just it's hard to say like i'm so thankful that i have them you know yeah Yeah. and like what i and i look back and see what i took for granted all those years you know because yeah i did stuff with the family you know i was there and but i really wasn't you know and I'm so thankful that I had that opportunity, you know? Yeah. And that's one, like I said, one major positive thing that God has shown me in this whole situation. Yeah. Oh, I've had one question the whole time I meant to ask you yesterday, but, you know, I've heard Brandon's story. I've heard your parents' story and and just their thoughts through, you know, when it happened, uh, you know, to now. Uh, And so I've, I've heard a lot of different stories, but you know, you, when everybody was there and they took you out of the woods, they carried you, um, you know, to the field and, and you were airlifted, um, out of that field. My question is like, what was your, what was your thoughts like in that helicopter, like on the way you know, to the hospital? Like what, what were you thinking in that moment? Well, I was telling them at that moment, I was like, well, I got 300 something dollar pair of pants on. <laughs> and all my boots and all that and you know i probably got like a grand worth of stuff on or way over a grand because i have binoculars and all that and i was thinking i told those airmen like man look just unbuckle that harness (laughs) don't cut it off i said don't cut it off you know (laughs) and uh man it's messed up but he's like look you don't worry about that 
And so they zipped me open, man. I'm I'm in my birthday suit and it's freezing, <laughs> which I couldn't feel the temperature, but the coldness turned into like just pain, like I said, like just the needles and everything. And uh I like to if those air medics are listening, I appreciate what they did, but I kinda like to have my stuff back. <laughs> Because they're, they're walking around with some nice uh, Leopold stuff and, uh, you know, my release and everything. So, thanks for all your help, but I sure would but appreciate that. But I like that stuff back. Yeah. I, no lie, like I was, when I first got to the hospital, like, you know, I, right after I got out of surgery, surgery was 13 and a half hours. And they kept me for a whole day because they they told my wife and everything. They're like, look, he's not going to make it, you know. Like, if we go and put him under right now, the way those blood clots are in my lungs, they had to do something. I don't know, but they kept me, I think it was like 24 hours or something like that before they went. I think that's a whole another part of the story besides just the neck injury is like, you know, we got him out. They got him to the ambulance. And and like I said, he was in good spirits. He was joking, laughing, and we knew he was, you know, probably paralyzed or hurt. But then when they got to the hospital and figured out, hey, he's got these blood clots in his lungs, there was another turning point that like, hey, he's, he, there's a really good chance he's not going to live through these blood clots. Well, like when clots. the air medics got there, they kicked the regular medics out, like, get out of here, you know. And they were working on me, and I'll never forget this lady. Man. I'm talking about like seeing their reaction, like, "Hey, look, this guy's messed up," you know, like because of the way they looked at my vitals and everything. And she pulled out a drill, like, a, pretty sure it was like a Degum Dewalt, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and she drilled in my shoulder, and it was like. Oh my gosh, man, I was screaming. I was screaming to the top of my lungs. And like Brandon, I think, and then like his wife and all that, like everybody that was there was like right around the ambulance. And I was begging her to stop because I couldn't move. And then she went, and what they were doing, they were putting in these lines because they knew that they said I was probably on code, you know, like just mm-hmm. anytime. And those lines were like a direct. Uh, or they could like inject medicine to me, like get it to me directly, like really quick. And then they went in my tibia, and I remember hearing that that drill or whatever that she was using, and not feeling any pain. Oh man, dude, this is messed up. You know, so you could feel the shoulder, or you just yeah, like yeah. up on my collarbone, and yeah. I mean, it was just. It was terrible, but I wanted something to drink, you know. That's all I wanted. Man, I was so thirsty. And uh, I kept asking them, I was like, somebody just give me a bottle of water, you know, or something. I cannot have it. So when they took me and I got finally got to the uh to the uh hospital and uh I advise everybody out there get you a pilot likes to fire fast because this dude he was he was on granny mode this dude time. Was, i'm telling he was racking up his balls you know? <laughs> that was the most expensive taxi ride i've ever had you know 
you know. So uh, you you underwent thirteen hours of surgery awake. Is what they could because you said they couldn't put you under. No, no, no. They put me under. Like, but like they they, they did had some, to delay the they uh, had to delay surgery, the surgery because okay. of the blood clots because they they really thought like he he's not going to live. Like they told my wife they brought clots. this chaplain in when he come in. Like I was still all you know. I was talking, you know, everything, and I was like, look, this chaplain come in and talk to me, and I said, hey, buddy, look, before you get to talking, <laughs> I said, before you get to talking, will you give me something to drink? <laughs> and he, he come in there, and I'll never forget this man. He was so nice, and he had this big cup of ice chips, you know. I was like, man, because I had all that dry blood and everything in my mouth. And he pulls out one ice chip. And now thinking about it, he was barehanded. And he put it in my mouth, you know. And that was the best feeling, like just having that. Man. I said, all right, buddy, give me another one. Just, I, said, you just, I, said, you just, I said, you just dump them in there, you know. And he's like, that's the only one I can give you. I said, well, why did you bring a whole cup full? You know, like, come on, man. You know, and I was mad. Like, I was like, you said that to him? Yeah, I was like, man, why did you bring a whole cup? <laughs> and so then I turned around and I was like, I mean, like, I was just sitting there. I mean, like, laying there. Because, I mean, like, Brandon, tell you, I was talking like, it was fine. And I knew, like, all right, I'm at the hospital. I'm safe. I, I was thinking that. But I said, hey, can I use your phone? The chaplain, he's like, looking around he's like he's like yeah you know he said who are you gonna call someone call my wife will you please call her well he called her and it's messed up thinking about it i wasn't thinking about it but like i gave her i gave him her number and he when he when he when she answered he said uh, is this Erica, you know? And she's like, yes. He's like, well, this is Chaplin. So, so. Oh, gosh. My wife's like, oh, he, he's, he's gone. He, he's out, you know? And she's like, your husband wants to talk to you. And she's like, really? You know? And she's like, yeah. He's like, yeah. I got in there and I was on the phone. I was like, babe, they won't give me nothing to drink, you know? <laughs> I was like, see if you can't come back here, you know? And man, like, all I wanted to do is see her, but like COVID. It was there, and gosh, dude, it sucked. I couldn't have nobody back. They wouldn't let her in. Nope. They would let the chaplain in, but not your wife. Yep. And what was messed up? Then he goes out there, and like, because they wouldn't let nobody in the waiting room. They're all outside, and it's freezing. They made them stand outside all night at the hospital. They wouldn't even let them in the hospital because of COVID. COVID. That's when it was like serious, crazy. Lockdown yeah. time, you know. Jeez. And so, like, that's another scary part. Here you're in the hospital, you know, like, man. But they finally let her in, you know. And I think I sent Cheeto a video of, like, the first time I got to be around her, you know. And, it's, and she hadn't showed me that video. Like, I hadn't seen it and since this happened, you know. But she finally showed it to me before I came here. You know, she's like, look, this is... You know, this is a pretty touching video. And, uh, man, it was it was messed up, like, just seeing me like that. You know, like, what the way, thinking back on everything, like, just, man, like, at that moment, like, 
all I wanted to do is just have her present, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, and the way I feel like, the way I felt, everything was feeling so much better and everything was like, I wasn't worried about anything as long as she was right there. And so she stuck with me, you know, she stuck by me the whole time and, and she's, she took off work for the remainder of the year, you know, and, and she was there right beside me. I'm so thankful I got her and, my mom, her and my mom swapped out every, they could have a different person in there 24 hours. And so I went after surgery. I was in there, man, they had me on some drugs, dude. It was crazy. Like I had a pet cat for two weeks and uh, <laughs> I was so mad. I started yelling at all the nurses because they moved me, they changed rooms on me. I was like, you better bring that calico. You know, they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, you better bring my freaking cat. Like a, just an imaginary cat you had? Oh, dude, I had a cat, man. It was sitting there. Like, <laughs> I named it. I already named it. It was calico. And I, it was sitting there on like these cabinets. And I was like, man. And what they were, they were hospital boots. <laughs> and dude when that lady when she was rolling my bed out i was like you better bring calico with me and she's like well, who's calico i was like calico the one on the cabinet no i was just like <laughs> <laughs> and like the, you know those drop down ceiling, ceilings they got those black little specks all over them you know like they were just racing you know the whole time and i thought they were like ants and I was like, y'all need to call it Sterminator. You know, this is crazy. You know, y'all got some major issues around this place. But, yeah, they had me on all kinds of dope. And finally, I just, like, like they started, like, getting me off of it. And then reality started sinking in. Once the drugs left, you know, like, all right, this is. Because I still couldn't move anything from my neck down. And I turned around and start thinking about that like when they 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 told my wife they'll say hey they told her they said he'll never he'll never leave a bed again if he gets in a chair you'll be pushing him you know but he'll never he'll never walk walk, he'll never do anything again and that's pretty tough man like somebody i mean they were trying to be honest and straightforward to her you know Mm -hmm. but Man, like that's just that's that's really tough, you know. Like to for her to take all that in, you know. I would. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine that. But uh, so they they ended up like I got accepted into like their little out, uh, outpatient thing, Spain rehab at, out of the UAB, and they spinal cord. They worked with spinal cord patients and head injury patients and. So I got to go over there, and I, the first few nights, man, was just terrible. I was screaming. I was, I was going back to those. I wanted to die, you know. Like I just, man, it was just terrifying. Like just, you know, I hated it because I couldn't move. I was laying there in that bed, man, and just my arm, if it like fell off the bed, it was just hanging there, and it was turned to pain, you know. Like if I. I I would, if it hung there long enough, I guess, because the blood or whatever would rush down to it. I just felt like I felt pain in my arm. That was kind of weird. 
but I couldn't move it. And so they started therapy and they brought this chair in and it had a, a tube hooked to it. And like this head thing, man, this thing's like had all kinds of contraptions on it and you could drive it with your head or that you could breathe through this tube called a sipping puff. And they're like, look, we're going to get you in this chair and this is what you're going to use, you know? And I told them, I mean, this is just selfish, you know, because there's people out there that have to use them and I mean, nothing against it. But in my mind, I was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not fixing to do it. I'm not going to blow in a tube and drive a chair or anything like that, you know? And man, this is selfish. I told my wife, I said, you're going to push me in a chair, you know? Like, sorry, you know, but like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just felt in my mind at that time that that was just like, I don't know how to explain it, but like, you know, I was better than that, if that, if that makes any sense. But I, I mean, mm-hmm. like, like I didn't need it. Let's just say it. like, mm-hmm. I, I, I could beat this, you know, like I'm not, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. And like I said, man, there's people out there right now, and I, I, I've been around a bunch of them, you know, and there's no wrong, you know. This is, it is what it is, you know. Like you got to use what you have to use. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not saying anything bad about that, but it's. She pushed me into therapy one day, and like my therapist is like, "Look, that's not right," you know. She said, your wife's going to be in a long, she's got a long road ahead of her, you know, and for you to do that, you know, that's wrong. And I was thinking, I was like, you know, you're like, I was thinking to myself, I wasn't going to tell her she was right, you know, but I was like, you know, that, that, she's right. You know, I can't do that. So I go back, I'm like, when I go back to therapy, my mom, she's a retired OT. So she's in there, and so we're sitting there. Oh, I was laying in bed, and I'd work with my hand. Like, she would always just mess with me. Like, all right, Clark, you got to do this, you got to do this. So I'm laying there, and I'll never forget, I had the first twitch of my wrist. I thought it was like a spasm, you know, and so I was like, oh, man. And then I was focused on again. I was, I was like, all right, you know, just, I mean, it wasn't much movement at all. But then I got that one lift, you know. I was like, "All right." That that kind of that first glimmer of hope. Yeah, I was like, "All right, we're not, you know, we're not done." Still in the fight. They labeled me like I was complete. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to tell that part, but the, the whole chest grabbing thing. Oh yeah, no, we need to tell this. Please, hundred percent. No, we've got to hear this part. This is (laughs) this probably my favorite part. All right, so like they they thought I was they thought I was complete because they had to do these tests and uh, to see if you have feeling or like what you know if there's all different types of ways, man, that they do stuff. You know, they ain't gonna get into some of them, but. The yeah, lady, you got to bring up the titty twister test. So now. this lady gets up there, and she's she's pretty hardcore. And I mean, I was awake, you know. And but 
she had an assistant in there with a clipboard and she's like doing all these tests like poking my feet with needles and all that so, can you feel that i was like no can you feel this no well then she like gets up there on them titties and grabs them <laughs> and i'm a hairy man and like she grabs them nipples and just twists and pulls them straight up and i mean she's like she she She's pulling them hard, son. <laughs> She's getting after it. Yeah. And she turned around and she looked at her, her assistant. She's like, no, no. You know, she said something else. And my wife gets up and she goes over there and like, I think it was like the sink, the yellow sink or whatever. And I'm my wife, man. Like she's, she's, oh, that probably embarrassed her to death. But like she threw up, you know, in front of people and then in the sink. And, uh, of course, that's when I was on a lot of drugs, you know, like I, so I was thinking, I was, I didn't know what was going on, what that meant. So like they had me rode up there, like on the board, like, le I forgot what it was, but it was like complete, you know, like complete means like you'll never have feeling again, you know, like you're done. That's it. And. I remember, like, then they come back a couple days later, and they did some tests, and I started having feeling, you know, like, and it was kind of like, all right, you know, like, it's pretty, they moved to, like, incomplete, you know, mm -hmm. and I was like, all right, this is great, you know, that's when I had a little wrist movement and stuff like that. My mom just kept working with me, kept working with me. I, they brought a chair in there like this, and it had like this little, the, the same mechanism like that. They had that, and it was on this side. And I'll never forget, they're like, look, we'll let you try it and see if you can do it, you know. Well, I couldn't move my arm, and they got me in the chair and everything, and I worked my wrist. I just did like that, and I got my hand up in that saddle right there. And I, that, I didn't need no help driving it, you know. I mean, they make you do a like a driving test. They set some cones up and like make <laughs> no, you they did not. Swear to you, uh, I'm not lying. I mean, go get you a spinal cord and go like go try it out. I mean, like I'm telling you, they set you up row cones and like you have to. They're not row cones; they're little small ones, and they see if you can turn around, back up. And I'm like, look, my grandmother had a little rascal, you know. Yeah. And so as a kid, man, I'd get on that thing and just zip <laughs> around the house, you know. <laughs> and so I had some little experience driving these things. And, uh, man, it was wild. I, but I was able to drive. And uh, I was I don't have to use those other, you know, adaptions. And, man, so I was staying there. And I was going to therapy and whatnot. And they put me on this machine later on. And it was like you're laying flat on a on a table and it like lifts you up and they hooked all these stem units like powerful ones like up to my legs see if i had any reaction and like it is it was like a squat the table like well i think you know it's pretty much a squat a squatting bench you know like you mm -hmm. just they see if you can bring down your legs and then push back up but then they have it timed like where when you're going up, you know, like the stem unit like would fire off, you know, and then that make you straighten your legs. 
and they would turn the stem unit down, like see how much you needed, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was able to do it, you know. And I was like, man, you know, like my freaking legs were working a little bit, but I had a lot of, you know, a lot of juice going to them. And all it was was pretty much electrocuting them, you know, in a way, making them go straight. But uh, they took me in and they set me the first time ever I got out of a chair and set set upright on something and I fell over. I mean, like my wife was there. That's another time she about ran off the road. Like when they set me up on on this mat, like they're like, okay, you know, and let's see if he has any core strength. And man, I just, boom, which they caught me, you know, but like my wife said, it looked like a newborn baby, you know, and I was like, man, this, this ain't good, you know, because need some core strength. But I, I stayed there, and they were going to uh, discharge me like two weeks before Christmas. And uh, I was trying my best. I, I heard of this place in Atlanta, Shepherd Center. And, man, like they're like, they were supposed to be like, you know, the best spinal cord, head injury, you know, place around. And so I was like, I try my best to get in, you know, like, kept sending that my wife and my mother was trying like sending applications in and all that talking to people and i forgot who i was telling but they told me like you're not supposed like once you start like rehab or whatever like they don't take people they take people straight out of the hospital you know shepherd would you know but like me being like already started in a rehab it's kind of like uncommon you know like for them to take me like, take people like that and this lady called my mother and she's like she said uh can you be here tomorrow or can yeah i think it was and my mother's like yeah yeah we can do whatever you know you had to rent you had to get an ambulance you had to ride an ambulance over there and that was the day before thanksgiving right i got there the day before thanksgiving and they had this strict policy like you can only have one caregiver and you could not leave the facility, you know. Is that COVID thing still? COVID thing. Yeah. You could not leave. You could not have, like, if my mother left, like, to do, like, anything, she could not come back in, and I could not have another caregiver. And let me say something, you know, my mother, she's one of a kind, and, uh, man, like, she is, she's stepped it up, like, well, she ain't stepped up. She's always been like this. But me and my mother, like, have never spent this much time together since I was probably in elementary school. But when you're in a hospital room and like, they did lockdowns because maybe like a – if somebody had COVID in there, found out, tested out positive at Shepherd, if they had COVID, that they would lock everybody in their rooms. No joke. Like, we were in there, I think, for 72 hours one time. Gosh. 72 hours in a hospital room and you're paralyzed and your mom's over there wanting to like play you know bingo or something with you you know you're <laughs> like man just leave me alone you know like let's just we need we need some time apart you know so the only place you could go is like the bathroom you know like just just have some you know some space from one another it was just it was miserable but man i'm so thankful that she was there yeah and uh 
But yeah, I spent there. I got there the day before Thanksgiving. And the first week I was there, they had me standing up. And man, like that facility is like, mess. I don't know where I would be if I hadn't gone there. You know, I mean, this place is like just, they offer so many things. And they have like so many resources and stuff like that. And here in Atlanta, like they, they're everybody's, everybody like works with them, you know, like, mm-hmm. and so they take all these great outings and stuff like that. I mean, the first time I ever left the hospital, I was like, so like my therapist took me out. You know, it's just so like nerve wracking, like to be out in the world, you know, like, like this in a wheelchair and all that, you know, I was worried about people looking and all this stuff. And, and like those therapists there, they like just, I don't know. They make you feel like, and they teach you like how to like, uh, like to how to survive or not survive, but like how to just adapt, you know, mm-hmm. and like how to do things like, out in the real world not just like hey we're gonna sit here and lift up some cups you know like they take you to the store you know and like they're like we're gonna we'll buy you like they they took us to like the fresh market you know and they're like all right everybody's got like 50 bucks you know i was like i ain't got a wallet you know they're like no no everybody in here we we all give you 50 bucks get whatever you want i was like well all right, well, my hands don't work good, but, you know, but I'll, I'll try. And it took me like, you know, our therapy sessions for like an hour, hour and a half. And it took me like 30 minutes to get the little freezer door open, you know, like <laughs> there's like a line behind me. I was like, hey, bud, you know, my therapist is like, no, he's got to do it, you know. I was like, well, I'm going to let these people go ahead. Like, hey, bud, I'll give you $20. <laughs> and I was yeah, like, this lady claims that I got 50 bucks. But, <laughs> all, you know, and, but like, they they force you. They make you work, you know. And, like, that's another God thing. Like, I should have not got into that place, you know. And for me to be able to, like, go there and, like, I spent a day before Thanksgiving all the way to, like, the end of May, the 24th, never left, never saw my wife and kids, bought a house on FaceTime, <laughs> you know, because you had to buy something that's like wheelchair, that, you know, and mm-hmm. we went from like where we we're going to buy some property and build a house, you know, that's what we were talking about doing, to doing something that I always told my wife I wasn't going to do. And that's living a subdivision, you know. And we moved in subdivision, you know, and ended up living, if you know, street over from my mother-in-law and father-in-law. And that's worked out tremendously, you know. So shout out to them; they help out. Subdivision all the time. ain't so bad sometimes. <laughs> no, I mean the neighbors are iffy at times, but the, there's deer running around. Man, they <laughs> hey, and they are like Brandon tell you behind our house. It's just like ton of woods, and they got all kinds of stuff. But like, I wish I could be down there walking around scouting, you know. But sure. 
hey, you do what you got to do. Yeah. Do you have a? I mean, go ahead and tell the story real quick at the rehab when you were at the the aquarium. Cause oh yeah, they take you. Out, they take you out. Like I said, a bunch of outings. Oh, I didn't tell you. They took us. The outdoor therapist there, man, Gavin, that dude, he is awesome. Like this man is like, he does everything like to try to get people out in the outdoors and he kept coming in like my room and he's like hey look man you have got to come back down here like you got to get back in it you know that's where i got my track chair from and they have a track chair there and he's like look come check this thing out he drove it up to my room in the hospital he's like bebopping through the hospital <laughs> on a track chair and he's like look man you want to ride in this thing i was like yeah that's fine so he take me outside like man just had a bunch of rocks and stuff he's like see what this thing can do blah 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 so i was riding around you know and i was like that's pretty cool he's like you want to shoot and i was like no i said if i can't feel the pull of that trigger with my finger i don't want nothing about it you know i don't care and like two weeks more he he kept on he's like man you need to shoot and so he set that track chair up and man i'll never forget like i, was, I finally agreed to it and like the first one you know it was awkward you know the way i was trying to get situated and the first shot wasn't where I wanted to hit. And the second shot, man, it was like dead on. I was like, all right, you know. He's like, I'll try to do it again. And that whole therapy session, I sat down there and I shot, you know. And so that right there kind of was like, all right. But, like, I was thinking to myself, like, after the fact, like, man, I got to have all these people to set me up, you know, got to have this, got to have that. But I knew I could do it, you know. So they take you on all these outings. Gavin's throwing all these outings together. And he took me skeet shooting. <laughs> <laughs> took me skeet shooting, dude. And I mean, like, I was like, are y'all like, y'all done lost y'all's mind. <laughs> you know, like, they got some quads there that, you know, quads, all four limbs are affected. People don't know that. But, like, I was sitting there. I mean, they got a freaking Benelli, you know, and I'm like, dude, what am I supposed to do with this thing? You know, like, I can't hold it. I ain't got the strength to. Well, they got this thing. that It's like a PVC that, that Gavin and another therapist made, like, on their own. And that Benelli hooks up in the middle. So it's like swinging there between two, like, rubber band, like heavy rubber bands. Uh-huh. And they put that trigger mechanism on there, you know, and get on. And I was like, man, all right. And the first shot, I hit the first eat. And I was like, dang, all right. <laughs> okay, well, that was the first and only skeet I hit out of a box and a half. <laughs> and we're, and, you know, like where the doghouse is, where the, the thrower is, mm-hmm. the skeet thrower is. I've always wondered, I was like, what idiot shoots that box? It's like right there. <laughs> well, I'm that idiot. That, <laughs> I shot that thing on accident like I was trying to get ready, and I tapped that trigger thing. And it it just blasted, and I was like, dang, man, like this sucks. <laughs> like this is embarrassing. <laughs> but, yeah, like that was a good one. Like I, he, put, he put you out there, you know, like he gets you out of your you know, comfort zone in a way, like just – lets you know like what you can what you can accomplish and he's a good dude and uh but the other therapist 
they took us to uh, the Georgia Aquarium. <laughs> it was like supposed to be secretive, and they're like, "Hey, look!" They come up to me. I thought like, you know, I was like, "Hey, look! You can't say nothing." But uh, would you be interested in uh, going to swim with the whale sharks? <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> I was like. Well, I ain't much of a swimmer nowadays, <laughs> you know. But, and uh, I did pool therapy there, you know. And so my the therapist was like, "Yeah, you got to keep it hush hush. You can't say nothing to nobody, you know." I was like, "Well, who else is going?" You know, she's like, "You'll see." You know, the day that you go, I was like, "Oh my gosh! All right, this is like really secretive." She's like, "Do you know how to use a snorkel?" You know. <laughs> I was like, well, I'm not going to say I'm a professional snorkeler, but like, <laughs> yeah, I can, you know, like, so the pool is like 90 something degrees, you know, it's just like very like relaxing bathtub water. And so she put a snorkel on me and everything. And I don't have like a life jacket or anything like that on. And she like makes you like, well, what swimming around. I was like flapping around, but like, see if I could breathe, you know, through underwater. Everything was fine. They teach you, like, how to, like, roll over, you know, like if you're on your back and roll back over. And, uh, man, it was crazy. Like, I did that, and I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm good. And so we get on the bus that morning. I see who I was going. I was like, all right, well, let's go swim with some sharks. <laughs> And it's wild, dude. They take you in there, and, I mean, you see those whale sharks, like, on top of the water? Dude, them things are 30 foot long. And, I mean, like, they had this dude in a little dinghy with a rope, and he was, like, pulling himself across there, and he was throwing out, like, he was throwing out their feed. And these whale sharks are following this little dinghy, like, and he's feeding them. I'm not kidding with you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, all right. And they're getting them hungry and then like throw us in there, you know, which I'm really <laughs> and they're like telling us like, Oh, they go through this whole spiel about telling you what you can and cannot do and everything. And like, they're telling you like, now if, uh, what do they got? They got those like man, man, huge. They're massive. And they're like, look, you don't touch those or don't touch the whale sharks or, you know, just don't touch anything. I was like, <laughs> You don't have to worry about me, you know? <laughs> and so they put us in these wetsuits, man. And I'm like, good gosh. You know, like that was a task in itself. <laughs> and they roll us in these wheelchairs down to this portable dock. And they get us out of the wheelchair and they set us on the side of the little the pier. And our feet are in the water and they put your snorkel on. And they're like, get in. <laughs> <laughs> and i'm like what like y'all ain't go i thought you know at hospitals they got those little chair lifts sit you in the water and stuff yeah. no they don't have that they like just get in so i just like plopped over in the water <laughs> man when my body hit that water that water was 60 something degrees oh, and as y'all probably saw yesterday like that coldness like man it just gets my body tight and, like draws up dude like my hands just shot up under me like this <laughs> and i could not move my legs wouldn't kick or nothing and 
I got water in my pipe. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, and they put this life jacket around. It goes like around your stomach, like a little donut. And uh, we didn't practice with those donuts, you know, and it makes it very difficult to roll over with that donut. And so I had this water in my pipe and like the back of the old spinal cord, you you can't you don't breathe the same way. So I can't clear that pipe out. I could get I could tell where that water was like right at the top, you know. <laughs> and I was just like I'd wait a little bit. I was like, one, two, three, you know, and I just come up and shoot right back down. <laughs> and I couldn't breathe. And so I'm like, oh man, there again, thinking of others. I was like, man, I'm fixing to ruin this trip for everybody. Like when I'm, fi- I'm gonna black out, you know. <laughs> so like, there's not someone in the water, like so waiting for you to hop in. Okay, they're hoping. they're swimming around, yeah, you know, but they weren't under the water, you know. They thought like I was gonna like lift my head or do something, but I was just I was stationary, <laughs> just down. in the water. <laughs> like you and had this I could hear them talking, like they were like they're just yeah, you know, like talking and all that. And this, like, little mermaid girl, like, she, like, swam <laughs> underneath me. And she spun around on her back. And she, like, looking face to face. And she gave me the two thumbs up. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, no. And she's, like, shot up. She's like, roll them over, roll them over. I was like, <sighs> and I finally could breathe. Well, they got current pulling through that that tank. I mean, like, some good current. <laughs> And like I said, I'm just like, <laughs> and they get you in that current, son. They're just like, go for it, you know. And I'm just like, big blob, like just <laughs> drifting around. They don't know which one's whale shark, you know. Like, and then a deck of thirty foot whale shark would come up. I mean, like get right there. Like he's swimming. He's gonna hit you. I mean, but I, I, I was so like drawn up, and like tight. I couldn't see it till it was like right directly in front of me because I couldn't turn my head. But it was wild, man. Like, just, I mean, like, they did stuff like that. And, I mean, there's not many places, like. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That take you and do things like Funny, that. Funny, you had this, like, amazing survival story of falling <laughs> out of a tree just to have it go all in at drowning at SeaWorld. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what I was telling around. my wife. I was like, yeah, I'd be the, that'd be the. My luck, you know, I'd make the news like <laughs> quadriplegic drowns in the whale shark tank, <laughs> you know. But yeah, it's I'm thankful, like, for the whole experience. And man, it's just I'm thankful for being here, you know, like, just life means a lot more now than it ever has. And because there's if people look, if people look at People take a break and just chill for a minute and just sit back and think, like, there's a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. Even though you might not think your day's going, you know, really bad or your week or your year or whatever. Look, man, there's so much for anybody to be thankful for. I mean, you can find something if you sit back and, and think really hard. If you just take time, you know, that's all it is, just take time. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't. I mean, like, my whole life was just go, 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 go. And so. Well, it's <clears throat> we just live in such a busy world these days with social media and phones and just. Oh, yeah. Distractions all over the place. It, it 
you know that that's something i told you in the blind we talked about that yesterday that something i struggle with and something i'm trying to be better at is to slow down and take time for family and put the phone away and just you know sort of be in the moment more often um and you know there's there's a lot of takeaways from from your story and and you coming here and i'm i'm super super grateful that that you uh that you did come and that uh you know that your uh, nine-year-old son did some little convincing there for us. Shoot, he's fired up, man! I'll- so shout out to him. What's his name? Hayes. Hayes. Shout out to Hayes on that one. And uh, you know, it, this this has been an amazing experience for for all of us. Um, I do have a, a kind of a closing question for you. What does your wristband say? I, I can see part of it, but I can't. I my, can't see all of it. My little girl, she came up with this. And so my wife, the saying, she told me this when I was in the hospital. If you think you can't, I know you can. And I thought that was pretty, you know, intense for, a, well, now she's 11. Her name's Hadley. And uh, I thought that was pretty good for, you know, a nine-year-old at the time to come up with, you know. And so my wife did, you know, did too, and she made some wristbands. Yeah. And I always kind of think about it, you know, like the times I have thought about giving up and how life sucks, you know, and everything like that. I mean, I I think of that, like of her saying, you know, I know you can, you know, because like I said, I was, I was the daddy that did everything, you know helped them out and all that and so i don't want to let them down and think like oh well daddy just gave up you know i don't want to be that guy you know because if i did give up what's that teaching them you know you know it's teaching them that it's okay to give up yeah and it's not man you got to just keep on keeping on you know i mean Man, you just dropped one of my favorite movie quotes of all time. Yeah, Life's a garden. From Joe Dirt. <laughs> you got to keep on keeping on. Life's a garden. Dig it. Yeah. One thing that touched me last night, talking about his kids so much, you know, and, and y'all probably noticed a lot of his stories are around his kids, but he called Hayes on speakerphone last night when we were driving back to the hotel, you know, and yeah. he was telling him about the hunt and, you know, that he made a good shot and, you know, Hayes just paused for a second and he said man i'm so proud of you you know like when he said that to clark you know i like teared up because it was so like sincere that like man i am so proud of you for doing that you know and it was it was like an awesome moment that made everything worth it that like it touched his son that like man i'm so proud of my dad for going and doing it you know yeah it was an awesome moment well something that we were clark and i were talking about earlier today was just like feeling so limited in what you can do with your kids and your family now physically like you you can't go on the trips and do all these things that you once could but there's still just as much or more opportunity to be a leader in your family because it doesn't have to be you don't have to physically lead your family you can lead them emotionally and spiritually and it's almost it's super encouraging to me just kind of your your outlook and your perspective on the whole thing um the fact that you're not giving up and you're not, you're not, it's not even like an impediment to you. Um, and you're taking advantage of the time that you have to spend still spend with God. 
and focus on kind of those leadership qualities that um, are honestly more important than the physical things. Yeah. So it's, uh, I know I would, I would, and I, I struggle with it now. I couldn't even imagine the struggle um, that you go through on a daily basis, but just like the daily battle of, you know, asking God, like, why, why did this have to happen to bring me back to you? And I, I, I think about that a lot. Like I struggle with my faith every day and I pray like, God, just, you know, help, help bring me back in, help, help just kind of bring me back into a relationship with you. And I, sometimes I find myself praying like, but don't do something so drastic to where it's like, I have to go through this hard time to get me back to that point. But I feel like so often, like that's what it takes for people to finally like surrender and have that moment that you had where you're crying out to God and just like giving him everything. The crazy thing is God gave me so many other signs. Yeah. And Brandon will tell you like from a young age, you know, I mean like there's stuff that I shouldn't have lived through like before from car wrecks and stuff. I mean, he's, he's hit me with a lot of eye openers and that's what I've always said. I think like, He's been beaten at the door. Mm-hmm. He's gave me multiple, you know, as of most people have been like, hey, look, you know, I should be thankful. You know, like, no, like I just, man, all right, that sucks. You know, like, all right, let's move on with it. Mm-hmm. But I think like he had to like, that's what he had to do to get my attention. Yeah, Something really like, hey, look, you mm-hmm. need to wake up, you know, and this is what you need, you know, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I really think that, you know I mean? In all honesty, like, yeah. and I've, I've told people that before, like after my accident that he's been knocking at my door for a minute, you know, I just hadn't chose to open it. Well, there's, there's, there's so much good that has come from such a horrible thing. And I think if you remove God and faith from that equation, it's just an accident. It's just a tragedy, and that's that's all there is to it. But right. When you inject God into it, there are He's to, in my opinion, He's the only only person. Or the, sorry, not person. When you inject God into a horrible situation, He's the only thing that can make good come out of that. Mm. Such a horrible thing. Like He brings goodness out of it, and you know it's brought you to your faith. It's brought you closer to your family. Like I know your whole mentality is, has changed entirely from, from that incident. And it's just like something that was meant to be, or just as it is, it's just a tragedy and horrible and what good could possibly come from it. But when you inject God into it, a lot of joy, a lot of good comes from it. And I think that, you know, you telling your story on this platform will really spotlight that. So I'm really thankful that that both of y'all took the time to, you know, honestly take a leap of faith and come hang out with a bunch of yahoos in in Atlanta. Uh, That's like I've told you a bunch, like it's wild, man. Like when when I spent that much time in Atlanta, you know, that's what I did. Like I'd watch YouTube, had it hooked up where I could use my phone. It was hooked to my TV in my room. And I saw I'd always watch, you know, the hunt public 
And I did that before, you know, like me and Brandon, we'd watch them like, we'd always talk, Brandon always about, did you see that sequel or did you see that Hunt Public, you know, that episode last night, like the the freshest one. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, nah, I have to check it out. Like, so on lunch break, I go check it out, you know, in my office, like on the computer. And so when I got back, when I was in Atlanta, that's all I did, you know, it was like, watch all those episodes, you know. And I started telling them, I was like, man, like, I want to go where the boys were running around Atlanta, you know, smoking them freaking giants. <laughs> like, I was like, and people around there are like, what? What are you talking about? You know, I was like, y'all haven't seen that? I mean, like, well, you did it. I was like, y'all have not seen them two guys <laughs> running around. I mean, they're shooting these daggum giants out of people's backyards. You know I mean? Like, they're everywhere, apparently. And. Man, it was just it's mind blowing that I got this opportunity for real, and I can't thank you enough. I mean, like I said, I didn't have to kill, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just it well, was it, a lot more than killing that deer. That deer was just an extra bonus. Yeah, yeah. it was. It was meant to be. That's yeah. all there is to it. I'll say, Clark. I mean, you've totally blessed me and, and changed my life uh, just by your story, man, and just by. You know, we we talk about the other people it could affect, but man, just me, like personally, like I, I've never been the person, and I'm not really good with my hands and like working on stuff, and and like I, I'd rather call somebody and have them do it, but like your perspective and and kind of the story from your dad and 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 you, and it, it just kind of puts in my head like you know, I need to take more time to, you know, do things with my family and teach my son things and, um, and, and spend more time with my family and really prioritize my life. And, and, and you have brought that to my attention, uh, greatly. And I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't thank you enough. I just want you to know how much, you know, you have blessed us just by being here and telling your story and just opening up to us like that. It means the world to me that that you would do this. Thank you. And uh, another note to help you go through it, like hard times or like just as our family, we use a lot of like we we mess around with one another. You know, we joke and all that. Like we're straightforward. Like you know. Like my little boy, be like, he'll come by and be like, "Hey, give me a high five, huh?" And keep walking, you know. Like this, I'm like, "Oh man, that was dirty." You know, you know, like, and uh, but like, I think like, man, laughter, dude. You know, like that's yeah. if you can learn how to laugh with things, you know. Like I think uh, Cheeto on the way down here, he's like, he didn't know how to take some of the stuff when we were talking on the phone, and he's <laughs> like. Right. I was saying stuff and like Brandon would chime in. He's like, man, y'all are just like ruthless, you know, like, you know, here comes that handyman, you know, like just, uh, but like, dude, like it don't have to be just about my situation, but just, you know, if you, you gotta learn how to laugh, man, love life, you know, like just because you ain't gonna do it once, you know? And I mean, like just live life to the fullest, do anything you can, you know, just enjoy it and so yeah people need to laugh more often yeah not be so tense man i used to be just i was hard you know just work you know and hunt and 
put family on the side, you know? Like that was that was it. And so now it's all family, you know. And which I'm thankful for. So Well, I think we're gonna wrap this up, but again, thank you guys for taking the time. Yeah. Man, thank you. Thank you we'll, all. Uh, Y'all don't know how much this means to me. This whole experience. We're the ones that have, have, have been blessed out of it for sure. So shoot. I don't know about that. <laughs> Well, I'm going to wrap it up with uh, a good old quote from uh, Clark Mason and our good old buddy Joe Dirt. Keep on keeping on. That's right. Watch the garden. Dig it. (laughs) (laughs) See you guys.